Welcome to the Outer Realm with Michelle DeRoche and Amelia Passano. Airing live on the United Public Radio Network, 105.3 FM in New Orleans. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Thursday night segment of The Outer Realm. We are broadcasting live on the United Public Radio Network and UFO Paranormal Radio Network, 105.3 and 107.7 FM from the beautiful city of New Orleans. And we are also live on Roku. For those of you who are on Roku, you can now watch it from the comfort of your living room. So make sure you check us out. The Outer Realm is fully sponsored by the amazing folks over at Folgers Coffee who have been a part of our journey since the very beginning. So thank you, Folgers. We appreciate you so very much. Also, big thank you to Dr. Snick, the sonic surgeon, a.k.a. Justin Snicker, who is responsible for our intro and our outro. It's his music you hear. It's his voice that you hear. And we're so grateful for him, Karma. He's an award-winning composer of Halloween, horror, sci-fi, and dark wave electronic music. And basically can be found anywhere that good music can be found. So check him out. Bandcamp, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, you name it. Also, big thank you to Steve McGinnis, the artist behind the logos and basically anything that has to do with the outer realm, uh, with banners, etc. Um, check him out on Instagram and Facebook. He does a lot of commission pieces and he specializes in horror art and um, beautiful, beautiful work. So you can basically see what he's got in stock or have something that you would prefer to have that's more up your alley. Anyway, tonight, The Outer Realm welcomes Max Hawthorne to the show for the very first time. He's going to be discussing his book, Monsters and Marine Mysteries. I'm totally into that because I know in the gray zone, Joe and I have actually spent a lot of time um, covering different things of that nature. And it's really fascinating. There's a lot of people who are super interested in it. So uh, I'm anxious to see what he's got hidden away for us. I'm sure it's going to be a fantastic show. Uh, bearing in mind, people, we have um, seven chat rooms, not eight, because we are in Roku. Roku does not have a chat room. But time, just kind of think of this big super highway coming down to one lane. It's kind of like that. So if you want to participate and be in the chat room, uh, YouTube, of course, we have the Outer Realm. Uh, we have UFO Paranormal Radio. We have UFO Gods and Extraterrestrials. On Facebook, we've got United Public Radio, UFO Paranormal Radio Network, News on the Flip Side, the Outer Realm, of course, and Canada's Most Haunted. Uh, so that's pretty much where you need to be, and we will be keeping up with the guests. So I will try to go back and catch up if I can. Otherwise, just know that I will do the very best to get your comments and questions out. So it's a little bit easier when I got my little compadre here with me, but it's going to be a while, I think, before uh, Amelia is back. Hopefully not too much longer. Everybody's getting a little bit healthier over there. And um, 
you know, doesn't help with cold season either on top of everything else. But hopefully she'll be back soon. So we, we sure miss her a lot. It's kind of strange not seeing that bubbly little face on the other side of the screen. So anyway, big hugs and lots of love to Amelia. So um, keeping our fingers crossed that she'll be here soon. So um, Max is an American author and screenwriter referred to as the Prince of Paleo Fiction. He's best known for his Kronos Rising series of sci-fi suspense thrillers, which have gathered both Book of the Year and People's Choice Awards. Wow. He's an Amazon number one best-selling author of the cryptid research book Monsters and Marine Mysteries. Thank you. As well as memoirs, uh, memoirs of a gym rat, an outrageous expose of the health club industry, and a children's book, I Want a Tyrannosaurus for Christmas, don't we all? And he actually has a song, A Tyrannosaurus for Christmas, which peaked at number two in 2021 World Indie Charts. So he's been interviewed pretty much all over the place. I mean, he's got a really long, um, long resume here. He is or was born in Brooklyn and attended school in Philadelphia, where he graduated from University of the Arts. In addition to being best-selling novelist, he is a singer, songwriter, and avocational paleontologist, cryptid researcher. I, man, it goes on and on and on. So I think you guys are really going to, really going to dig it. So I see people are slowly chiming in here, and which is fantastic. Oh, I love it when you all chime into the chat room. So kind of all make your way over there and I am going to get the banner up. Here we go. Yay. So of course, you know, we talk about marine mysteries and such monsters. I think we think of the different um, things like such as Loch Ness Monster, um, Canada. I think we've got Champ. We've got Ogopogo. Um, a lot of the Great Lakes have these these beings. They seem to be all over the place. Oh, hold on. Here's our guest of honor. Bam. Hello. Oh, you were talking about me? Sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, guest of honor. She must be confused. <laughs> Got me mixed up with somebody else, you know? No, no. This is all you, man. This is all you. <laughs> so how are you? Uh, a little on the chubby side, but I get by. You know? I get by. Okay. <laughs> well, getting by is okay. You know, just yeah, I get these old ladies hitting bit. on me at the supermarket and stuff the other day, you know? Right. Right. Seventy-five years old trying to oh, make moves. Oh, geez, on, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no. We get more well-seasoned with age. <laughs> yeah, I must be pretty seasoned then. A lot of salt and pepper. But anyway. A little spicy. Yes. So. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on. Um, sure, been, thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. I've been um, really curious about, I was just explaining how a lot of us, um, I think people in general, when you, you think about, you know, monsters, we always think like deep sea stuff, you know, the Loch Ness monster, for instance, and we have them like they, every, every country or every part of the world, every continent at least seems to have one, one story of, a, you know, sea monsters and things like that. And then we start getting into the debate as to what are they? Are they interdimensional? Are they coming through portals? Are they actually left over from the paleo world, shall we say? So, oh, I like that. See, I've got like my Folgers, but I like your stitch better. Actually, Oops, sorry, is... Folgers. I do love Folgers. This is my little girl's. I keep stealing her stitch mugs to use. Her <laughs> broadcast and stuff. Yeah, but she's uh, either doing homework or getting ready for bed. So hopefully I won't be attacked. No, <laughs> that's good. It would be embarrassing. 
Well, it, it would be when you're fighting over a cup for <laughs> a child. But where do you want to start? I always usually kind of poke around at uh, humble beginnings and and what made you decide to become a writer. And I mean, I, I say singer songwriter, but I find that people who are very artistic mm. um, will tend to to lean to the arts that way, whether all genres of it. So I'm going to let you take it where you want to go. Hmm. Um, well, a lot of people keep calling me a renaissance man these days and all that. Uh, you know, right. I, I mean, it's, it's some people are like, oh, you're a jack of all trades, but master of none or something like that. But that's not how the <laughs> saying goes. The saying right. actually goes a jack of all trades is a master of none, but mm. it's still better than a master of one. Right. <laughs> right. And so it's like, I, I took my uh, AP English degree from college and I gave up film and animation, which was my original degree and all that. And when mm -hmm. I went into writing, I taught myself how to write novels and such right. Um, right. and built on that. And then I learned how to write screenplays and poetry came second nature. So then I learned how to write songs and mm -hmm. you know, just one thing after another. Right. So um, right. how I first got started in novels, uh, hmm. well, I believe that a lot of people, not everyone, but a large percentage of the population would always love to write a book. Right. You know, I mean, everybody would love to cement their experiences in life, put them all together like a, a diary, but more so, or uh, they have an idea for a story, a novel, a romance, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people like feel that way right. and a lot of people find when they try and tackle the project it's very intimidating mm -hmm. i mean when we're i'm i don't know if you remember in high school when you got an assignment you have a 500 word essay due tomorrow and everybody was like oh i like, know yeah. i was always good at writing i'd pop those babies out like nothing but most people <laughs> were like i'm gonna die 500 <laughs> words you know yeah. and it was always one person in the class who would try and get away with using like the same adjective like 15 20 times at a, a shot to take up space you know like she was right. very 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 upset like principal's yeah. office you know but right. um so i mean it's really, it can be tough. I've written novels that are pushing 200,000 words, wow. you know, and yeah. when, I, when I'm like on, I do 2000 words a day easily. Right. And I'm talking 2000 polished, edited, ready for my editor to tear me a new one. Words. Right. You, know, yeah, you don't want to edit your own book because it's just going to keep going. Cause you always find things oh, I can maybe tweak this a bit and, and the book never ends. Oh, I always love when I get like a, when a novel comes out and then a month or two later, I get a, like a letter in the mail from a reader. Like it's, I got a two page handwritten letter once explaining how there was a typo on oh, page boy. 376, right side, you know, right. third paragraph, whatever, you know, an old right. explanation. And I'm like, uh, but you know. Yeah, yeah, 200,000 words and you find the one typo. <laughs> that, that got past not only me, but the editors right. and the, and the, the, oh, yeah, the types for sure. and setters and all that yeah, stuff. But sure. um, I, I ended up, I mean, uh, my novels are predominantly uh, sci-fi thrillers. Like right. my first novel, Cronus Rising, which, you know, really, was really a help out of the gate because it turned out to be a, a, an award-winning book. Um is kind of like what they call Jaws meets Jurassic Park. 
Right. And in fact, that's where the hashtag Jaws meets Jurassic Park came from back in 2014 was for Cronus Rising. Right. And it's a story about a giant prehistoric marine reptile that has been imprisoned in an island caldera, like a saltwater lake preserved inside a caldera since the Cretaceous mm. and has escaped and now proceeds to do what any apex predator will do, you know, patrol its new territory, eat Right. And try to mate, reproduce, etc. All this right. stuff. And then, of right. course, it comes in the conflict with people that don't want to see whales getting killed or their no. friend's boat getting sunk and get them getting eaten and right. yada, 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 all this other stuff. Right. Um, and it, it ended up being a whole series. But all of that, like the, the passion for the, the sea, the marine life, and the prehistoric life is all stuff that I experienced growing up. I right. First time I went fishing, I was five. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, if I, like, you know, I pushed – you got like you know there's seven, <laughs> right, seven there foot fish go. on my office wall right, <laughs> right. so um yeah. don't you love that sign behind me it says warning unruly oh it's reversed it is a, it's I, don't know. I can't tell what it is uh, <laughs> i gotta go in and fix that it says unruly unruly children will be used as bait Uh-oh. so that was for like my my young nieces and nephews when they were younger troublemakers and stuff like that right but i still keep it up there it's funny but, uh, taking possession of the cup yes exactly <laughs> Right. But, um, so yeah. And then like, like, so there, I had always had that, you know, and I had a million pets as a kid, snakes and lizards and tarantulas and spiders and scorpions. Right. And you, I had alligators when right. I was a kid, you know, right. like most people had dogs, which I had too, but I had alligators also. Right. And, uh, then I had a dad who was a, uh, a rock hound, which is somebody who he had, he owned a jewelry store, but right. he had a passion for fossils and minerals. Right. See, so he was, I grew up being surrounded by like, you know, giant prehistoric shark teeth, you right. know, like this or, or yeah. uh, mammoth bones that looked as big as they came from Godzilla to me. I love it. And, I yeah, love all it. This, I mean, it was yeah. always something. Right. One time I borrowed one of his megalodon teeth and I snuck off to the Academy of Natural Sciences in Philadelphia and they had used to have a trading post there Ooh. and I traded it for a gorgeous ibex horn that i gave my mother for mother's day oh wow so you learned early early on let's <laughs> get into this and stock. i i never told him where his megalon tooth went until i think i was around 50 right <laughs> like that <laughs> by the way yeah. i always meant to tell you <laughs> I remember but, when? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so so i yeah i had this thing for you know dinosaurs and dragons and all this other stuff and so it all ended up coming together and i started having these ideas for this book literally 25 years ago i had a magazine and it had this great painting in there of this monster that ended up being the centerpiece these pliosaurs in my novel i still have the magazine you know that's put this in motion and the idea was there and i would make notes about it and ideas and all this other stuff again but i didn't really do much for it for several years and then i was down it was around 2003 or something like that i was down in the florida keys at um oh, was it marathon i think mm-hmm. is the name of the island and mm-hmm. they had this huge outdoor store there it's called i think it's bass pros outdoor world and when right. you go in there um one of the centerpieces in the store was in this ancient wooden fishing boat from like the 1930s wow. that hemingway had fished off of right hemingway and it used to, it's a big boat. I mean, to me, it looked gigantic, 45 feet long, maybe dark. Yeah. The whole hull was wood and everything like yeah, that. Yeah, it sounds beautiful. And I, so I went on this boat, and it was the sister ship to the Pilar, which is his boat that's in Cuba. Right. And 
I think that's the one that he hooked up with machine guns during World War II and torpedo tubes. I went out looking oh, to Jesus. fight yeah. heroes. Yeah, <laughs> right. he, he was he was an adventurous guy, you know. He like, sure was. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I'm just going to put a couple of 50 calibers on my boat and a torpedo tube. And we're going to go out and sink a U-boat, you know, or some right. Japanese destroyers or Germans. Yeah, you know, he didn't mess around, Howard Hughes. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. But um, we actually have a lot in common because I, I used to do a lot of boxing and, and hmm. you know, the fishing and all this other stuff. So on the boat, I'm like walking around and I found a fighting chair on the, in the back. That's like what you use for marlin and tuna. Yes, know, the fishing yes. chairs. And right. I sat in this chair that he used. I was like, wow, this is great. Hemingway's chair, you know? Right. And then I wandered around and then there was a little step down thing and they had a writing desk of his on display Mm-hmm. And you could sit at it, and on it was the actual typewriter that he wrote the old man in the sea on. Right. The actual typewriter. You know, the one with the giant marlin and the yes. fisherman and yes. all that stuff. Survival. And I sat at his desk using his typewriter, you know. And I'm playing mm-hmm. around with it and all this stuff. And it was like I heard this little voice in my head. And it said, you can do this. Uh-oh. And I went, I can do this. That's right. <laughs> All right, let's do it. I can do this, yes. And when I got back to Pennsylvania, away from the land of the ever-shining sun, Florida, I got to tell you, the keys are so bright, much worse than Orlando and stuff. I mean, it took me with sunglasses two or three days for my eyes with sunglasses on to adapt to the sun down there. It was like the equator. It was incredible. But when I got back, I started like, you know, in in earnest, like really prepping to write this novel. And I bought all these books on writing novels and made Mm. myself teach myself classes and, you know, whatever. That's how it all kind of started. Right. And then it became one book and then everybody wanted the sequel and the sequel ended up being three sequels and then four or five and six. I think there's Mm. seven books in the Cronus Rising series now. God, that's crazy. Congratulations. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. So you decided to do a nonfiction. I, well, I mean, I guess, you know, <laughs> people might say, oh, come on, you know, monsters and mysteries, well, I get. I mean, that's, that's a sort of high strangeness. That's it's just a different thing altogether. But um, what made you decide? You just figured you'd go to the flip side of the of Kronos and just. <laughs> Are you talking about Monsters and Marine Mysteries, the book? Yes. Well, yes. actually, the first book I ever wrote was right. nonfiction. That was Memoirs of a Gym Rat. Right. Because I had been working in the fitness industry to pay the bills and and doing a fitness product I had invented, believe it or not. I was on QVC at one point, a fitness product and stuff. And I put, I had this nonfiction book that exposed all of the dirt and filth that goes on in the health club industry behind closed doors. Wow. And yeah. And I mean, a lot of like, and a lot of people did not want this book coming out, if you understand what I'm saying. Oh, of course. People don't like the, roaches don't like when you turn the lights on on them or shine yeah. a flashlight on them, et cetera. Exactly, and, and exactly. Honestly, I'll tell you, anybody out there who's thinking of joining the gym, I mean, it's that time of year, right. you know, you should read Memoirs of a Gym Rep because it will teach you all the traps that are waiting for you, all the contract stuff that's waiting for you, the shady sales tactics that are waiting for you, and all sorts of other stuff. You know, it's like wow. a survival guide. I hear that, guys. <laughs> and if you have Kindle Unlimited, you can read it for free. There so you go. save okay. yourself money on your contract. Don't get roped in for the rest of your life to pay and not go. Yada, right. yada, yada. Believe me, right. I've seen it all. But right. um, So back to Memoirs of a Gym Rat, though. So over the course of writing the Cronus Rising series, when you're doing research on marine life, mm-hmm. um, 
I mean, I've researched everything from the ocean floor to tectonic plates to tidal waves to meteor impacts. I mean, I did it all. Whales, Mm -hmm. echolocations, submarines, submarine lingo. I mean, I had to learn so much. It's Mm -hmm. like your memory banks are like sucking up information like like that. Right, right. And oh, speaking of memory banks, by the way, I have this great thing that I've been doing lately. You know when you get those harassing spam and phishing calls and stuff? No, I just block them all. Yeah, but, but yes. you know what I'm talking about. Everybody I gets do. Oh, so I, I do. Get them, Believe me, yeah. Yeah, I used to like do all sorts of things and stuff like that, and you know, like have fun with it. Because as a writer, you work from home, you get bored. Now, I don't do that anymore. I do something very simple. I'm like, what? What's this about? I'm like, wait, hold on. And then I change my Alexa. Watch, computer, fire photon torpedoes. I, uh, Captain, firing photon torpedoes. I don't know if you heard that well or not. It, yeah. And then I hang up in their face. <laughs> so, right. so their ship has been it's destroyed. Yeah. And, yeah, and I, you know, right. all that. But yeah, so that's, that's you know, and you can do that with your Alexa. You can just change it. Right. And have her, you can call her whatever you want. Right. See? right. But anyway, so, um, but yeah, so over the course of doing all those books, I, of course, encountered a lot of cryptid articles and stories and such. And some of them were relative to Cronus Rising. Like you right. wanted to like, plant the seeds of like reality or, or where people think, well, this could actually happen. There's actually evidence. This is arguable. And there Mm -hmm. have been a lot of sightings of giant prehistoric looking marine reptiles by people. Some go back hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. Some go back to world war one and Mm -hmm. and, and a lot sooner. I mean, I, I interviewed a guy who uh, just back in 2017, who uh, next to his, uh, he was on an ocean liner, a cruise ship working it. And this giant, what looked like uh, it had an alligator's head and huge body surface next to the ship and was keeping pace with it. And he said just the head, neck, and the shoulders was 100 feet long. I'm sorry, 50 feet long. Wow. Let me fix that. That's just the head, neck, and, and part of the yeah. back. I But that's like not even half of it. It was right. 50 feet long. And right. it looked like a giant mosasaur. So, I mean, there are sightings of things out there, but I ended up doing all this research and uncovering all this stuff. And mm-hmm. as I learned more and more and more, I started meeting more and more people in cryptid circles, cryptid zoology circles, et cetera. I had some encounters of my own. The first was when I was 19. Mm-hmm. Then I had some stuff happen when, I mean, the, recently I had something just happen a little over a year ago. It was kind of creepy and scary. Right. But, um, and so as you learn more and more of that, I started talking to more and more people and, learning more and more about stuff and studying historical sightings, et cetera. And as I'm doing that, I started researching stuff myself and realizing some things that were out there were wrong or were mm-hmm. outdated or the information or, or the solution, like something was obviously a hoax mm-hmm. you know, right. or something was, you know, obviously explainable and nobody seemed to have realized it, et cetera. Like about mm-hmm. Loch Ness, right. you know, I've learned so much about that. And on my uh, Monsters and Marine um, Mysteries Facebook page, for example, uh, people, it looks like I'm picking on the Loch Ness monster, but it's not. It's just these things pop up, and I look at them, and I'm like, no. And like that, uh, that flipper photo from, I think it was from the '70s or something right, like that. Right. You know. And yeah. I looked at it, and then they had the unretouched version, which looks nothing like a flipper, but mm-hmm. there was something there, like this ridge. And I just turned it upside down, and lo and behold, it looks like the flank and the side of a, a sturgeon. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what it was. And so whoever took that 
that photo. And then I confirmed, I went on a, another website by a, a paleontologist, Darren Nash, I think his name is. And mm-hmm. he even said that the original photo was 180 degrees the other way. So right. I was right when I flipped it. See? Right, right. And so, then you can see. So somebody took that photo and turned, turned it upside it. down. And it may and then, have been the photographer. It might have been somebody else says, oh, it looks like this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like people do that crap all the time. And then they made it look like a fin. Right. I mean, there's no... That yes. was physically altered. See, right. so that to me is just a hoax, in right. my opinion. Okay. Well, absolutely. But what do you th- what are your thoughts then on Loch Ness? I well, first of all, Adrian Shine, who is probably one of the most famous researchers yes. out there about yes. it, um, yes. he has publicly stated that he believes that um, very large whales, catfish, and sturgeon sometimes make their way into the loch. Right. And I believe that because my research shows that like, for example, um, I've, I'm a passionate fisherman and right. I've been many places from swamps to Alaska to Hawaii. I've been all over fishing. Okay? Right. And I've seen plenty of lakes where in the spring or something, when you have like bait fish spawning yes, and you'll have tens of thousands, sometimes hundreds of thousands of small fish in shallow waters, all in a giant mating field we'll call it and i've watched channel catfish that weigh 15 20 pounds Mm -hmm. just cruising through there and just like like a whale or whale shark eating plankton and just swallowing as much as they can hold Mm -hmm. and going on their way they don't have to hunt they don't have to chase or expend Mm -hmm. energy they just gorge themselves and these shiners or whatever they are are so busy with mating on their minds they're not even paying attention and they get right 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 so i mean when i've looked at some of these sonar hits on loch ness from the last x number of years it seems like no coincidence to me but they're always mixed in with these an array of smaller sonar readings. And mm-hmm. I consulted a, a charter captain I fished with who's been fishing professionally, you know, taking people out for 50 years. Right. And sonar and him are like bed mates. And he's right. like, okay, well, the, that's those. That's a huge shoal of smaller fish. Mm-hmm. He's pointing it out to me, et cetera. And there's one large reading. Right. So I believe Adrian's right that you get these fish, they come in and they time it when it's spawning season for their right. prey. See, so they right. can, it's just like a, golden corral buffet right well know, i mean he, he's been at this for what 50 years <laughs> like yeah like, the guy I mean, is like pretty much i mean lives yeah. on the lock right he's there yeah. constantly i mean i didn't put um the loch ness monster into monster marine mysteries because okay. it's, it's me it's been, yeah done to death okay. yes. yeah yes. i wanted to focus on a lot of other stuff but i mean since we're talking about it yes. even yes. a lot of the historical sightings scream wells catfish like the very first one um the, i think the oldest one is a uh Somebody is supposedly dragged under and drowned by the monster. This mm. is like in the 1600s, maybe, or something like that. And then another guy's pulled under and escapes it. And then a priest stops the monster and says, leave that man alone or whatever. And it backs off. And, you know, this is like the first instance of the monster. Okay. Right. But if you ever watched Jeremy Wade's uh, old series, River Monsters. Yes. He yes. investigated um, in Europe. Uh, and the Wells Cabbage was stocked all over Europe, including the UK. Mm-hmm. Just so you know, I mean, I have a friend whose son catches six footers in England. Oh, they're big. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah <laughs> they get much bigger than that. Oh, yeah. but, um, so, but uh, he talked to these women who had been swimming and something had grabbed them by the calf and pulled them under. 
and they had bruises on their legs. You know, they mm-hmm. were terrified. But right. that's what well cat Welsh catfish do. They lay their eggs around structure, fallen logs, things of that nature there, and then they protect them. Now they don't right. have teeth. They're like a catfish. Most catfish don't have teeth, but they right. will still bite and harass any fish protecting its nest will do that. Bass right. will do that. Sunfish will come after a, a human being, etc. Mm-hmm. And these were wells. He even said, showed it was wells catfish. You know, grabbed the girl's leg or whatever and yanked on it. Right. Okay? And right. if you were swimming and something big and invisible bit you on the leg, you would get out of that lake, right? Yeah. I face. mean, like, <laughs> real quick. You yeah, know, especially if you got under, like, the girl yeah. Chrissy Jaws at first, right. you know, you'd be like, I'm out, you know? Yeah, yeah. You have to and tell me twice. The, okay. Yeah. yeah. That's right. the exact behavior we see in that initial incident. Right. Then there are other incidents where, like, a woman saw the, the monster rolling around, thrashing on the shoreline, and it flopped back into the lake. Wells catfish come out of the water. Mm-hmm. They take pigeons. They will leap up out of the water to grab things. It's they will crazy. come after you practically on dry land. That's and crazy. I, yeah, but it's true. And then wow. they, they say the monster had antennas. Antennas are the catfish's whiskers. Yes. yes. See, you know, yeah. there's even one sighting where a guy was looking right at it. And he described its mouth oval shaped and it was like, yay big. Once again, that's a Wells catfish's description. Right. Okay. And right. then there's another classic sighting where somebody saw it squirming across the road, headed back to the lock and stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it started off being six and a half feet long and then grew over time until it became 30 feet long. See, but, but yeah, that's just yeah. the total. It was yeah. this big, and you know, right. that's like, like my dad exaggerating <laughs> the size of the fish. I exactly, it, it gets yeah. bigger as you tell the story. <laughs> yeah. I had a you know a, an eighty pound halibut, and it was like three hundred yeah. pounds, like five right. years later. And he was telling people, and I'm like, ah, just let him keep bragging, you know, whatever. It's not yeah. me telling the story, but right. um, so you know, I mean, so that could have been a catfish because I've also found catfish where when a, a lake or a big pond will flood from excessive rain right. and water level rises, they will go into the shallows looking for prey. And right. once that water recedes to a certain point, then they find themselves stranded. They can even die. So it may have been, I mean, I don't know if it rained that day or the day before, you know, right. if the water levels were up, that'd be interesting to find out. But mm-hmm. it sounds like a Wells catfish, the size six and a half feet, you know, right. the long neck and small head would be the tail. And then they have that little lobe at the back, you know, there, et cetera. He's just looking at the wrong end of it and whatever. Right. Yeah, that's so, so do, you, do you think this is a common a, a common factor in a lot of these sea monster sightings? I mean, like Ococo, Champ, you know, in the Great Lakes or because they really are like they're not. Well, I mean, they do have them in the oceans for sure. Um, you know, there have been sightings of things like that look like, you know, dinosaurs that have washed up on a beach. But mm-hmm. primarily these sightings seem to be in in um non-salt water lakes. like in lakes and stuff well if we're gonna have like big bodies of water um yeah. like lake iliama and stuff like that i'm convinced that a lot of these places have very large sturgeon in there and i mean the european sturgeon can grow to be 20 feet long that's the size of a big white shark that that's know? that's huge yeah yes i mean, I mean enormous northern and- canada's got big behemoths like that too my mm-hmm. grandfather spent his whole life trying to catch it, and they called it the monster. And, but there were parts of the lake that were bottomless. Even Jacques Cousteau went to try mm-hmm. to sonar parts of it, and, and they said, we can't. At the time, they didn't have that technology. Well, so if you big. have like an isolated lake, it yeah. may be a, a same species we have today, or yeah. maybe an unknown species of sturgeon that's in there. But the point right. is, is when it, it breathes, you know, it doesn't need air. 
I mean, this says gills. So, so I mean, it being seen is a rarity. Right. You know? right. I mean, it's exactly. not like it has a surface like a, a plesiosaur or a mosasaur or a whale right. or something like that. Right. But I, I'm, I mean, I, I believe there are large fish in certain bodies of water, large. They may have very large turtles and things like that. That mm -hmm. may explain some of this stuff. Monster, no. But in Monsters and Marine Mysteries, for example, I know a lake in New Jersey, which will remain unnamed because yeah. I intend to go back there and deal with this myself. <laughs> I want in. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I went there with right. my dad one time. Right. And uh, I took him on the lake and... It's an electric only lake, which is like 90% of the lakes in New Jersey because they're reservoirs and things like that. So you can only use your trolling motor and putt putt around quietly. Okay. But, uh, and I found a shad, an American shad, about this big, floating dead on the surface. And it had a five inch wide, like, bite taken out of it that was like a wide oval, okay, with tooth notches and stuff. Mm. And when I researched it, I realized there was only one thing that could have made this bite eventually which was a giant snakehead. So snakeheads, you know, we have problems with them in a lot of bodies of water here. The northern snakehead is all over the place. You know, it's becoming, it's a, an invasive species. Right. If you catch a snakehead, you're supposed to kill it and report it to the authorities. Wow. Okay. Yeah, okay. like in, right. in Washington, they're all over the place and mm. all sorts of stuff like that. But I believe that this was too big to be a northern. I think this was a giant snakehead. And I believe that somebody in that area had dumped the contents of his fish tank in this lake. The fish were getting too big. He thought he was doing them a favor by giving them a home, oh. you know, a huge lake, et cetera. And right. of course, this fish becomes an apex predator and grows on check, may even multiply. Right. There's there's warm water influxes to this lake, which would explain how they could survive the winter. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't the only thing, though. The other crazy part was, and this goes along with my notion of this guy having a huge tropical fish tank and mm -hmm. dumping his stuff, is that we were in one part of the lake. And all of a sudden, we saw these two twin swirls on the surface, which are indicative of something very large swimming under the surface, maybe a couple feet down. When, fish, when a large fish moves close to the surface at speed, okay, it'll create a swirl. Mm -hmm. see, like, like if a bass is charging up towards the top water bait, the water will boil as it's coming up, okay? So there mm -hmm. were two of these big swirls about six feet apart, and they were moving together. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, wow, I'm like, that must be two giant carp or I don't know what, like that. And we started following them with the boat, but with the mm -hmm. electric motor, you can only go like, two miles an hour or something like that you know and i would try and get close to them and whenever i try to get close to them they would accelerate a little bit and in increase the distance then slow down again mm -hmm. and it was weird because when they made turns they didn't turn like if it was two fish swimming to this they, when they made turns they didn't go like this mm -hmm. it went like this like that understand and mm -hmm. after a while my dad goes what if that's two parts of the same thing Right. Same animal. Right. And I looked at it and I was like, that's impossible. And then I was like, looked and looked. And the more I thought about it, I realized what I was looking at because he was right. It was the edges, which they use, they undulate to travel mm. of a giant freshwater stingray. Oh, I've never heard of a freshwater stingray. Yes. It's like one of the biggest freshwater fish in the world. They can weigh 700 pounds, some of them. Okay, yeah. It's insane. And I love this, stingrays. I think yeah, this thing beautiful. was every bit of six feet across. Okay. What? Every bit. And people would have these in the same aquariums, 
you know, they're like from the Amazon or uh, Asia right. and stuff like that, you know, as pets in their tank, just like the snakeheads, they grow and grow and grow. And right. this thing would have no natural enemies. It would be the biggest thing in any lake pretty much <laughs> in this country, except for a white sturgeon maybe or something like that. Wow, you know? wow, wow. And it was just swimming along. But I had 12-pound test line, des- you know, designed to catch little bass and stuff like that. There was no way you're taking on something that – I mean, I've seen films of them breaking shark rods in half. Mm-hmm. You know, they're incredibly powerful. But it's in there. I know it's in there. I mean, there's no – but the point is, is it's not a monster. But if no. you were swimming and you came face to face with underwater, in your mind, it would be a monster. It would be a monster. It'd be a little yeah. bit unnerving. Mm-hmm. Um, go ahead. No, I was going to say, but in, in terms of legitimate sea monsters, the oceans are by far our best bet. Right. I okay. mean, you so have- let's go with that okay. uh, report. So, I mean, you're an avid fisherman, you've fished on the oceans, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Any experiences with such? beings because i mean the, the oceans are deep i mean they're they're 95 percent unexplored technically speaking let's see so the weird things i've had happen on the ocean i mean you if you really want to you got to be way out yeah. in order to really see the the right. good stuff and you've got to be in deep my sea opinion, fishing basically and not just deep sea fishing you got to be quiet see i mean predators are not stupid right you know, like like Predators are smarter than than like herbivores and stuff. It's it's you know difference of what you you hunt. Right. Are you eating grass or are you eating the thing that eats grass type of stuff? <laughs> but uh, right. Like if you're on a sailboat, the odds of you encountering something unnerving and unpleasant are much greater than if you're out on a noisy motorboat that's screaming through the water and has right. propellers that can kill animals right. and things of that nature. Right. So, we don't want that. So there have been incidents, for example, where um, a trimaran, uh, it's in Monsters Marine Mysteries, was uh, just a couple years ago, was attacked by an immense squid. And this squid had, according to the witness, um, who's, it was hanging on the back of his boat and, and stopping the boat, it had tentacles as thick as his thigh. Now, Which I've is seen, crazy because they're not very strong, though, are they? The, well, the when you're 100 feet tentacles. long, you're, you're pretty strong. Well, you're you're going to get smacked around a little bit for sure. <laughs> but, well, but they have. But it's not like kraken type strength, is it? Like, well, right? I don't know. I mean, their tentacles. They have suckers yeah. that have teeth in them that can rip flesh and okay, stuff. Okay, yeah, you win. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I, and so his boat, I think, was like 100 or 105 feet long, and it's three narrow holes, but it right. doesn't have a motor. You know, it's right. a sailboat. So to me, I think that this squid. There are certain squid out there that it's all in Monsters and Marine Mysteries that I I investigated it that prey on whales they eat whales the real big ones okay and so you know this thing must have thought it was looking at a trio of finback whales or blue whales and it decided to attack and it grabbed the rudder meaning went for the flukes and it was holding on and trying to take down its prey see and it ended up holding on to a boat that had three holes together and it was tearing at and holding on i think it was on there for like 15 minutes or something like that yeah yeah. but uh and It's, uh, you know, you're talking about like, so that's where you're going to see stuff. I mean, for me personally, like one time I was out shark fishing with some guys. We left out of New York and we were about 20 miles offshore and we came across a dead sea turtle. Uh, It was a loggerhead and it was upside down Mm. and we stopped because we were looking at it and we wanted to see if there were sharks tugging at the carcass because if there were, we were going to stop right there and start fishing. You know, right. that, that was like your bait, you know, right. like we would have been home for instant bait. 
Yes. Like, uh, yeah. This loggerhead was the size of a Volkswagen. It was far larger than the world record. I'm not kidding. I was right. looking right at it. I didn't know how big loggerheads were then. You know, this was mm -hmm. 20, 25 years ago right. and such. But I mean, its shell, its body from the side was like a yard thick. Thick. Oh my God. Okay. Now picture wow. a sea turtle. You can understand the size of this thing. Yes. I mean, the shell was probably six, seven feet long at least. That's insane. You know, and, and the size and, of an adult. Yeah, but right. immense. Right. And it was so thick and big. And we didn't see any damage on it. So either if it got hit by a ship, it didn't, there was no visible damage. Maybe it, right. it just died of old age. I mean, to be that size, you know. Yeah. But, you know, that was like one thing right there. Um, one time I was close to shore and I was fishing for Goliath Grouper down in Florida, like in Port Charlotte. Now, mm -hmm. this is within. I Florida has freaking everything. If it's as yes. obscure, it's in Florida. Yeah, it does. <laughs> uh, I remember when we went, we went to the, um, went to, when I was fishing the uh, Boca Grand Pass one time and went to the dock and uh, to meet the boat. And the dock was like, there was no dock. It just kind of like there was this restaurant and you went down to the beach and you waded into the shallows and climbed in the, the boat and then went, went out. Okay. Right. But when I pulled in the parking lot, um, which is sand and jungle, right. okay, and right. stuff. And there were all these little lizards, like yay big, like running all over the place. And then all of us, I get out of the car, and this lizard, like as big as a person, just went waddling by, like whoa, 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 and you know, chasing the little ones. And it mm -hmm. wasn't an iguana, uh, some sort of monitor or something like that. And, but right. it looked like a dinosaur, and it ran just calmly right past me. And I turned to my friend, I'm like, "Did you see that?" And he's, right. you know, like, like yeah, like. What, you know, this type of stuff. But anyway, yeah. so, but I, I was fishing for grouper and the water there is like, poor Charlotte. Um, there's like these uh, old phosphate pits. I mean, mines, or whatever they call them, phosphate docks, I'm sorry, and pilings and stuff. And uh, there's like this 70 foot deep hole there. And I was fishing for grouper and I had something on the line. It was probably like a 75 or 100 pound grouper. Right. And then all of a sudden, something took it just whoom, like that. And it, almost pulled me over the side and then I got yanked sideways and I'm holding over dear life. And then it snapped the rod in half. I mean, literally right. the rod broke in half and this is a tuna rod designed for giant tuna. Okay? Right, right. And then there was a hundred feet of steel line on there that is to protect it from getting bitten through or from the pilings and stuff mm. that screamed off. And then as soon as it hit the monofilament where it was attached, now this is 400 pound test. So it takes at least 400 pounds of pressure to break it. It snaps it like nothing, right. like nothing. And I'm the holding one trying to stay on the boat. Imagine you're holding on the 400 pounds of sustained pressure. Okay. Right. And then right. crack like that. So what's and on then, the other end is what I'd yeah. like to know. And then the water beside the boat, remember I told you about that boil when a yeah. fish comes like that, was the size of a large hippo, like 13 <laughs> feet across. The water went like, whoa, like that. And I'm like, and the captain goes, well, what the heck was that? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. What was that? He goes, that must be one of them giant thousand pound groupers they see down here that everybody says they see, but nobody ever catches. Right, you know? right. If it was, right. you don't want to be in the water with it because a fish that size could eat a grown man. Sure. You know? I mean, Absolutely. Their mouth would literally be like a yard across. Yes, yes. So. I, I have to interview one quick minute uh, for Steve White. Steve, sorry. Uh, you're asking questions based on last night's show. I think um, you got in on the wrong stream somehow. I don't know how, but um, yeah, we're on uh, talking about monsters and marine mysteries. 
tonight with Max Hawthorne. But thank you for stopping by, and I hope you have a great weekend also. Okay, back on track. So, so in your opinion, is it possible that we have dinosaur-type beings, you know, creatures, animals, um, that could have potentially survived? Like the Cretaceous extinction, et cetera? Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, I, I, each chapter in, in Monsters and Monsters, the book covers different things, but there's one mm -hmm. chapter, for example, in Megasquid. Right. And um, the evidence is incredibly strong that they're there. Deep right. down and everything, I believe they wow. eat whales. There is a record of one that I investigated where it attacked a destroyer, a naval ship, and damaged it. Okay, wow. so, I mean, and some of these squid are estimated to be as much as 175 feet long. That's, That's yeah. not including the attack tentacles that Architutus has that shoot out to grab things. Right. That's just the head, the mantle, the body, and the short arms, the feeding tentacles. Wow. Okay? That's, That's crazy. A, that's some serious calamari. Right. Um, I interviewed a gentleman <laughs> named Demetrius who near Sanibel Island, Florida, Florida mm -hmm. again. Uh, I don't Florida. Him and his friends saw, Florida. Yeah, saw an octopus. They said was eighty or ninety feet long, and an they saw on a yeah. yeah an octopus. They were they had a it's 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 the interviews in there it's hilarious but they they had a, it was like demetrius's birthday and him and his friends went down i think this is 2013 or 2014 mm. and they um they took a, a 55 foot charter boat out to fish mm. and they were a couple miles offshore um the, i don't have all the exact obviously the details in front of me and stuff but uh, a couple miles offshore and he said whatever they were using for bait it stunk to high heaven it was like nasty fish and whatever and right. stuff like that you know there was a lot of this in the water and this is obviously what drew this thing to them. Okay? Right. As a fisherman, I know. You put chum in the water, things come to investigate. Right. They're like, yes. you know, right. it's like they if you know. walk to the house yeah. and, you know, right. your, your husband is making this incredible, like, you know, steak. Yeah. And you're like, what is that? You know, are you going yeah. to it, you know? Right. But uh, so they were standing there fishing and all that, quiet, and the boat creaking back and forth and all that, you know. And then all of a sudden the arm of an octopus comes to the surface. Now, when he told me this story, he thought octopuses were all this big. Okay. So he was just telling me like it, it was nothing. Right. So the arm that the part of the arm they saw was 30 feet long. Okay. And at its thickest point was three feet thick. Now picture a tentacle, an arm, 30 feet long and three feet thick. And that's not all of it. You understand? Right. So it came to the surface like this and it snaked along the surface to their boat. And then it started touching the boat. Like this, you know, not like in Nemo, I'm going to touch the butt, you know, that kind no, of thing. Yeah, yeah, right, right. crack and touch. <laughs> right. And they were, okay. he said they were 20 feet from it, looking right down. He described the texture, the color, everything like that. Okay. Wow. And they said it wasn't threatening. They weren't afraid. They said it was just curious. And then it pulled away and it snaked back down, went under the water. And he said they, under the boat, they saw the other tentacles, the shadows of its outline and the body, and then it started to move away. And he said it was, they estimated it was 80 or 90 feet long altogether. Okay. Wow. So but I told him, I said, first of all, yeah, I was like, octopuses don't get that big that we know of, I although there have been reports. Okay. Yeah. I said, number right. one, I said, and number two, it wasn't curious. It was tasting you guys. <laughs> what do you mean tasting? And I'm like, well, you see, octopi 
or octopuses, depending on which mm-hmm. version you like to go with. Tomatoes, tomatoes, yeah. <laughs> have chemoreceptors in their suction cups, their suckers. And right. they use those as like taste buds. So they can taste things, they analyze things, etc. So I believe this cephalopod came up onto them and it thought that based on smell, their vessel might have been a dead whale or sleeping oh, whale. Okay. And it wanted right. to taste the hull to see if it was right. So it came and when it tasted fiberglass or metal, whatever the boat was made of, mm. it pulled away and it went on its way. And right. they were very lucky that that happened because if it had you know, decided this is prey and it went woof and it enveloped the boat, it might have latched onto a fisherman or something and said, right. well, you know what? The rest of this ain't edible, but hey, here's an hors d'oeuvre at least. And, ah, and exactly. Over. No kidding. No kidding. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I had to really investigate this whole thing because, you know, Sanibel, they have a lot of manatees around there, you yes. know, so yeah. a cephalopod wants, you know, animals want easy meals. They want a lot of, in this case, a large predator wants a lot of flesh, et cetera. And mm-hmm. a manatee is literally like a quarter pound of a cheese. Right. I mean, they're a thousand plus pounds of meat and blubber. They're slow. They're slow. They're defenseless. Right. Yes. I mean, like, you know, hello. I know. It's like, 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 mm, right. You know? And uh, that's why there's like so many reports in Hawaii of 50 foot octopuses that show up when the green turtles are coming ashore to lay their eggs. Mm, and you've right. got a 600 pound turtle is a nice meal. Right. You know, for right. an octopus whose beak can easily crush through that plastron and carapace and get to that juicy, right. juicy innards. I mean, their octopi eat small ones, go through crabs and lobsters like they're nothing. Those right. that kite, the beak is made of chitin. It can cut through they wire. Cut through anything. Yeah. yeah. Pretty yeah. much. So, I mean, a turtle would be, you know, snack. So, well, so okay. So, basically, it, I mean, I believe that some, you know, folklore is sometimes based on a sighting somewhere. So, you start looking at, you know, the whole Kraken story. It's just sort of like Cthulhu. I don't know. Maybe it's just based on something. Everything seemed much bigger back then. But then again, we, you know, when the world was a different place, you did have yeah. a lot from the, the paleo world and the dinosaur world that were left over. They were, you know, beings that were there. But can they step, you know, can, can they survive the test of time when you're looking at the ice age, when you're looking at, mm-hmm. I mean, now it's scary because they can literally splice it and bring it back. Yes. Well, okay. So let's look at, I mean, I, I, I wish I'd known um, I could have sent you some images from Monsters and Mysteries. And well, stuff. you actually have like total control of the board. You can screen share anything you want from your end. Really? It sure can. Keep in so, mind, I'm the village idiot here, so you're, you're really asking for trouble. Uh, if you uh, go under where it says uh, present, do you see that on, in the soundboard? Let me find the image first that I would want to share. Yeah. Let's yeah. see if I can find my cryptid files. Yeah. So, so you know, I'm 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 of the mind that you know anything is is possible, and you've got a lot of people who get into um, the whole quantum physics thing as well. You know, portals, things like that. A lot of people do believe. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? A lot of people do believe that some of these beings can come through, you know, portals or ancient. I mean, dimensional beings, interdimensional beings, mm-hmm. not really that hard if you if you have an understanding of quantum physics um it's not my area of expertise i will say that but um i mean anything is possible it certainly makes sense that like sometimes you see reports like of a tyrannosaurus like 
dinosaur with a horn on its nose covered with fur in a winter environment. I mean, right. being covered with fur or feathers, whatever it was, right. would make sense. Right. But where did this thing come from in the first place? You know what I right. mean? How alone, like animals aren't immortal. So, no, exactly. So if I was going to do show something, okay, um, what would I? P click on uh, present. See at the bottom? Okay. So present. You can go up and go share screen or put in a video file, anything you want, but go to share a, screen. I don't have a video file, so I click share okay, screen. Okay, go, go to share screen. Okay. And then it'll go to another oh, like another window in your browser, and right. you can click on that. It says screen sharing tips, and then no, it says no, no. screen sharing. If you, if you click monitor. screen screen share, yeah, it'll go over to um, are you on Chrome or are you oh, on? I'm on Firefox. It says share screen, but it has tips above that. Um, well, you just want to go to your browser and click on whatever window is open. It says use Chrome if you'd like to share audio with your screen. Um, I'm on Chrome and you can, I've got like, you know, 50 windows open and I can choose any one of them and then it will bring it up. So to, or to, you know, you can, you know, go to where it just says window next to Chrome. Okay. So here it says allow screen. So I feel so bad for your audience. Stream your art to your screen. Then it says select window or screen. Okay. Scripted, so go book images. Right. Maybe this is the one right here that I just pulled up. Let's see here. Yeah, I mean, that's the and great thing about about click this allow. is it. Yeah. I'm sorry. Oh. Do I click allow? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. okay. Now, can you see that? One second. Bring it up. Oh, there you go. Bam. Okay. So there you, you see this right here. Okay. Now mm -hmm. this is what where a sea monster sighting took place. This is in the 1800s. Right. Okay. From a ship called the Osborne. Okay, and okay. they saw this whole bunch of these spike-like things, these black things sticking out of the water that were up to six feet tall. Okay, right. so everybody can see that, okay? Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to click stop share to get out of that. Now i got to right. pull up the next image. Yep, no problem. Okay. Let me see. I'm not prepared for this, but I'm going to try and make the best of it. <laughs> Let's see here if I can find. Okay, here we go. Uh, you're up next. Okay. So now I got to go back in, just bring her in. and I got to do present, uh, oh. share screen, Pop share it. screen. And then here we go. Okay. And then allow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now this is from the same incident. Right. Okay. And this is the, this huge animal that was seen through a telescope from the ship eyewitnesses. Mm -hmm. I believe it was estimated to be 40 feet long. Wow. That's its head, its back, and its flippers, which right. it was swimming along. And then all of a sudden, its head and its shoulders and its flippers were out of the water, and its flippers were flailing in the air. Right. Okay. Now, everybody remembers those spike-like things that preceded this. Okay. Right, right. So I was doing research on mega turtles. Mm -hmm. And am I, do I still have that screen up? I think I do. Yeah, you can put it back up. I'll just, when you get a picture, then I'll bring her up if you want. Okay, hold on a second. Okay, so stop screen. Okay, now I got to go into what I'm looking for, the other one. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry if I'd known I was going to be doing oh, this. That's okay. You could have like, you can have five screens open to bounce around. 
People yeah. come on to entire PowerPoint presentations because it gives you control of the board. So, so when I was, so in this whole chapter, I was researching mega turtles, monster turtles. Okay? Right. In fact, and there's evidence like that goes back hundreds and hundreds of years. This is one of the mm. 1800s. And I thought this must be a monster turtle from that illustration. That's right. you're seeing its head, its shoulders of its shell and its flippers. But why right. is it out of the water? And then, the notion that people say, oh, it's the spikes on a dragon's back. Those black spikes mm. are killer whale fins. See, the killer whales were there and then they submerged. And right. then this thing erupted out of the water and was flailing like this. And right. the reason, and I can prove that because, share screen, try this one more time. I okay. might eventually get good at this. Let's see here. <laughs> there you go. Oh, wait a minute. Where Where's that bad boy I had? Dreams time. Okay, I got you. Make sure I got the right one. No, it's not. It's not letting me. That's weird. Hmm. It's not letting me show it now. It's not giving me that as a choice. Maybe if hmm. I close this and this and this obnoxious image. Let's see here. No, no. Let's try it again. Is that share screen? Share screen. Dang it! This is so <laughs> annoying. Oh. That's when you're trying to prove your point. That's just not. I, 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 yeah. I'm, I, I will not be denied. This will. <laughs> I, I will you can I, keep fiddling with it while we while we keep let's moving see forward. Here. Yes. Okay. So, let's so, see here. So stop sharing is okay. So what are we seeing right now on the screen? Uh, just just, you're just looking at us. Okay. <laughs> can you see this right now? Just us. No, I can't say anything else. Us? Yeah, there's nothing that's come up. Dang it. And it's <laughs> on my screen. It comes up as a separate screen in, yeah. in the green room, and then I, can, then I bring it up. So if it's so not there, it's not there. The browser can't access your screen. Try capturing a different screen to see if this continues. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. Mm. Now you can fiddle while we talk. I got it. I got it. Oh, ooh, okay. Okay. All right, hold on. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. There you go. Now that is a the killer whale of today attacking a sea turtle. Right. And do you see what's happening there? It's exactly the same as the Osborne image from the telescope. The head, the top of the shell, and the flippers are out of the water. They grab the sea turtle by the haunches, by the hind legs, the tail, and they yank on it and they pull it. Mm -hmm. Bring it on pull, eventually pull it under and drown it. Okay, right. so this is what was happening with the Osborne incident was a giant, much, much larger turtle that was being right. attacked by a whole pod of killer whales. Hence, all the fins, the spikes, the black spikes all went right. under. And then this thing rears up, et cetera. And I mean, even a 40 foot turtle could be torn apart by a pod of orcas. I mean, they oh, killed absolutely. killer whales. So, absolutely. so this was solving that particular mystery. But it also indicates, though, that the idea of mega turtles out there. Mm. I mean, I, I interviewed a guy who... Uh, well, actually his widow and then his partner who filmed the 38 foot turtle off of this coast of Nova Scotia. And that super eight footage is still available today. And right. when I enhance frames from it, you see the turtle's head and neck coming up out of the water and it turning and looking at the camera. So, I mean, they're, they're, they're out there. So giant mm -hmm. turtles do exist. Giant octopi apparently do exist. Giant squids definitely exist. There is evidence of massive sharks out there. I just did a, uh, a YouTube documentary um, that people can go Am I allowed to tell my yeah, YouTube yeah, channel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let me make sure I know the name of it because they keep changing these things on me. Right. Um, 
It is called Max Hawthorne's Book Trailers and Videos. So okay. people go on there or just go to my Monsters and Marine Mysteries Facebook group. Um, it was shared on there, but there. Yeah. back in July, a couple friends of mine from Briar Island there uh, encountered a whale carcass um, that they managed to photograph at sea while it was still fresh. And then on land also, and I even had him go back and do measurements and all this stuff. And this was a subadult humpback about 30 feet long, and it had shark bites all over it, wow. ranging from this big to this big to this big, all different sizes. But there were several bites on the whale that were a yard or more across. Wow. Now, understand, I mean, like, that's the size of the shark from Jaws 3. Yeah. Okay. Right. It, like literally I extrapolated it and you not seen quite megalodon size, but pretty big. You're talking a fish at least 32 feet long that right. weighs like eight or 10 tons. Jesus. I mean, very yeah. large white shark. It's scary to think that, that there's something that big out there. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not the first time. I right. mean, I did a whole chapter on these showing evidence of fish ranging from 26 feet in length, <clears throat> to 42 feet long. Right. I mean, like Simon Pierce, the marine biologist in 2017, he mm -hmm. photographed a 40-foot whale shark, which is the size of a greyhound bus in and of itself. But but it's, you expect that out of a whale. Right. Even if it's yeah. a whale shark, you, yeah, you expect right. that out of something. But it has a four-foot bite scar on its oh. left rear flank in the coastal wow. region. That's something even okay. bigger. And the bite is four feet across and even has tooth notches in the scarring, which means that this didn't happen. 20 years ago when this whale shark was small this probably happened in the last 12 to 18 months and i guess that's crazy something like that right. so you know there are and there's been a lot of theories that white sharks occasionally suffer from gigantism see mm. where mm. and many animals do right i mean i've you know you've seen toads that normally grow four inches that grow eight inches right in length double the size eight times the weight okay right. i personally as a kid used to collect these little beetles. I forget the species. They were carnivorous little mm. monsters like that, nasty things. And it's it's in the book. And one day I flipped over a rock and I found one that was two and a half times normal size. I mean, impossibly yeah. big. You know? right. And right. so it's like, I mean, fish um, experience what's called indeterminate growth to begin with. Just mm -hmm. like reptiles do. They never stop growing. Right. So if you have something that for some reason experiences gigantism, you know, it's going to grow to an enormous size. Mm -hmm. Is it going to reproduce and pass on those genes? Probably not. Mm -hmm. Because let's be realistic. I mean, when sharks mate, for example, like white sharks, most sharks, the male shark is usually a little smaller than the female. Right. So if she's 18 feet long, he might be 15 or 16 feet long. Okay? Right. And he'll come up and he'll bite her on the, the right. neck uh, by right. the gill region, try and pin her, force her down to the seafloor yeah. so they can mate, spawn, right. whatever you want to call it. Okay. It leaves right. wounds, scars, etc. They heal fast. And that's mm -hmm. the nature of the beast. If you're a 40 foot male white shark and you approach an 18 foot female, she ain't sticking around. No, She's exactly. going to run for her life. Right. You know? And yeah. if you're a, if you're a 38 foot female shark and a 15 foot male comes up and tries getting rough yeah. with you, you're going to eat him. Exactly. So, and I covered all this in the video, but it's very compelling. I mean, when you see the size of these bites on this thing, so it looks like we do have a at least occasionally enormous sharks out there. Now, is it, like I said, white sharks with gigantism? Most right. likely if it is right. not, 
then the other option, if it's some holdover, would be this species. A megalodon. No, this is not megalodon. Oh, no, this, megalodon. No, no. no. Okay. This is uh, the, the shark that came right before megalodon, its immediate ancestor, um, called Otodus chubutensis. And wow. I'll show you. Let me see. Uh, I can look this up. So a megalodon's teeth are not shaped the same as okay. the as chubutensis. They tend to be... So here, this is a six-inch megalodon replica. Obviously, it's white. I don't have a fresh megalodon tooth that I just pulled right. out. Of right. Now, if you look at the tooth structure, now granted, this is whoa, this is probably a UR upper right two, and this is probably an upper right three, but they're close to each other. This mm -hmm. the shape, you know, is still drastically different. If you look at the shape difference, this is a triangle, mm -hmm. white shark. And this is different. This has this chisel-like center, yeah. see, that's kind of thick right. like that. You look at it head on. And then it has these flanges here, the cusps that come mm -hmm. down like this. They're designed to two, two, two different things. This is designed to pierce flesh like a white shark and tear away at it and rip mm -hmm. out mouths. And this is designed like a nutcracker to fit between ribs like this on each right. side until it gets to this point and then pop, 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 pop like a nutcracker, like that right. type of thing. See, so if we were having a prehistoric holdover, it would most likely be Chubutensis, which did grow to 40 feet in length. So right. it's right. remotely possible. My bet, honestly, though, is white sharks with gigantism. Several right. marine biologists have already stated that's what they think is going on out there. So still, well, so, a 40-foot shark is still a 40-foot shark. It's still a 40-foot shark. It's still yeah. pretty terrifying. Let's let's. I'm going to do a really quick station ID. Thank you, Tamara. So for the remind, <laughs> usually Amelia does this. So I'm, I'm kind of like winging it. Um, so we're going to do a quick station ID and we're going to do um, a quick sponsor ID. So for those of you just uh, tuning in, like Chris, hey, Chris, um, we are, you are listening to The Outer Realm here on the United Public Radio Network, UFO, Paranormal Radio Network, 105.3, 107.7 FM from New Orleans. And we are also live on Roku, people. Yes, we are. So make sure, you know, we're covering all your bases. We got you guys. That's all I'm going to say. Anyway, we're fully sponsored by the amazing folks over at Folgers Coffee who have literally been a part of our journey since the very beginning. So thank you, Folgers. We appreciate you so very much. Also, big thank you to the man who's responsible for the intro and outro, the award-winning Dr. Snick, the sonic surgeon, a.k.a. Justin Snicker. And uh, his again, you can find his music on Bandcamp, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon. Also, Mr. C. McGinnis, the artist behind all the artwork at the Outer Realm. So we thank you very much. We are sitting here talking with Max Hawthorne, and we're discussing monsters, marine mysteries, and all, I mean, all kinds of stuff. We're just sort of venturing and bopping around. And it's not what you think you know i think you know do you look think of a big shark yeah, that'd be pretty monstrous I, i'm still like totally taken back with the um the 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 ray the stingray i think that's just fabulous to think that they're in a lake and they're that big but what i'd like to know let's let's just veer away a little bit um Let's talk a little bit about marine mysteries. Do you remember a few years ago on the Discovery Channel talked about mer people and they went really deep diving. They went down and they caught some interesting images. I mean, it was all over the place. 
And of course, now the internet's littered with them. And it's kind of like, come on, man. Like, you catch us, give us a break. What are your thoughts on that? Like, like on the discovery, you know, discovery and everything surfacing. Is it, is it possible? Um, if you recall, that special was a little misleading. Yeah. It started the whole mockumentary term and trend and all that you know i was watching it and i was eating it up i mean like i believe those cave drawings were real right and that skull and all this stuff and then at the end you see this fine print you know so this has been a recreation of what might uh, you know etc and all that so i was more curious about what they captured on camera just uh, that, that that was cgi was it CGI? Yeah, like the yeah. thing in the net, the kid comes up and he's like, ah, as soon as no, I saw no, that, no, I was no, like, nothing like that. No, no, they, they caught part of what looked like um, a hand sitting on a rock spear. and it jumps. No, in the water. no, no, no. Uh, the discovery video that they captured mm-hmm. again, deep sea with, I guess, the, the, the rovers, it looked like part of a, of a, of a webbed hand. And yeah. it had part of a spear. It was really nothing extravagant. It was just very, very, very I, fast. And they had to freeze it. I, I hate to say it, but I think it was all created for the show. <sighs> just like when they had their Megalodon, the, the Shark Lives mockumentary. Yes, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and they did the same thing. They had all these actors that were supposed to be scientists. Yeah. They right, were, right. And, and they had these fake carcasses and all this other stuff like that. The same made know. headlines. Yeah. Like Discovery Channel made headlines from that one little clip. Yeah, they make headlines, but then you know a lot of people started getting upset about it because right. you, you go from real science to more like you know science fiction that kind of stuff. Is it though? Is it like we you know we we've explored maybe ninety five percent of our oceans? No, five percent of the oceans. Only five percent. Sorry, yeah, there's ninety five unexplored. Is what I meant to say, and, and, it's and that's so just deep. the bottom. That's yeah. just the bottom. That we've right. don't forget you got an average of eleven thousand feet of water above there we that. Go. Bottom. So there we oh go. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying is is that the evidence out there has pretty much all been manufactured. Right. That's what I'm trying to say. Right. Okay. So I mean, believe me, I'd I'd love for that to be the case. I mean, there have been so many sightings, for example, of what sound like Mosasaurs. Right. I mean, literally scores of them, a lot around New Zealand and places like that. People talking just about washing up attacked by them. You know, one guy on a jet ski said this thing just missed him. It like lunged up, like breached out of the world like a whale and crashed down right near him and his friends. That's yeah. what they said. They said um, there was there's tons of it. I mean, a few months ago, remember, they showed these like family of crocodiles swimming off the coast of the UK. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now I yeah, look at that. that weird. And if that is if it's not a hoax. OK. And I mean there are a lot of people that put a lot of money into hoaxing people these days, you know, but if it's not a hoax, crocodiles don't travel in family groups. Mm-hmm. At least wise, no crocodile species we're aware of, nor do they enjoy being in cold water. No, that's true. The North Atlantic is. That's even right. Then. Right. So 41 degree temperatures or whatever it was is not comfortable. Right. I mean, you and I would be dead in 15 minutes. Or yeah. Right. Okay. And then if if the film is right, it shows like two adults and then a small one that moves from one to the other, swimming next to it or something like that. It looks like a family group. So if it's not a hoax, then you got to say, well, what is it? Is there some sort of crocodile species like marine crocs used to exist that were adapted to the ocean? They had. Well, there was some pretty big, 
pretty yeah. big uh, variation yeah. of crocodile that existed, right? Could, could they be mosasaurs? Couldn't they? I mean, yeah. I have no idea. You know, the footage is from so far away. You right. know, I have saved, I have stills from it and stuff like that. You know, I, I spoke to a couple paleontologists and they said, that's incredible. And I said, what is it? They said, I don't want to even venture a guess. But they, they all, several said, that is incredible. Do you, know, do you think it's thing. because, you know, ac academia, first of all, when you're looking, you know, um, archaeologists, it's the same in the field of archaeology. It's like, no, no, we're not going down that road. This is something mm. that's considered, let's say, giants, for example. No, no, <laughs> we're not, that, that's not a thing. You know, meanwhile, Smithsonian's like just ditching them in the, in the furnace, you know. But is it the same thing in the world of paleontology? It's just like, okay, yeah, we have our thoughts but we're not going to go there because it takes away the credibility. Like, is it that sort of thing? Well, I think that number one, I, I've, I know a lot of paleontologists. I've written right. a form paper on how plesiosaurs swam. Right. Believe it or not. Okay. Yeah. Which ruffled a lot of feathers, a layman like myself. How dare he solve the mystery of plesiosaur locomotion? <laughs> He's not one of us. Right. We stop him at all costs. That's oh right. My God. <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, it's like, like I, I have put out a lot of paleo theories of my own. And one of them, for example, like I, there was, I don't know if you remember this a few years back, but there was this stuff going around that they were saying like T-Rex was a passionate lover. Do you remember oh, Jesus, that? I've not heard that. <laughs> yes, he was a romantic lover. That's and a shark on land. I swear to God, look it up. T Rex. If you Google it right now, T Rex was a, a sensitive lover. Oh my goodness! That was one of the headlines and stuff like that. And All they were right. basing this on the fact that they had four amina, these pores in their upper lips and a little bit mm. in the lower, right? Which are like, they're really pressure sensors, and they work in the water. Okay, mm -hmm. that's like like crocodiles have them, alligators have them. Uh, if you if you take an alligator and you put it in pitch black darkness, and it's sitting there, and you drop one drop of water like on the other side of a tank it'll turn right to it because it can feel it with those four amina those pressure sensors in the water mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. so they were theorizing that the, it had these sensitive lips and all this stuff and they were like nuzzling getting all <laughs> romantic and all stuff that's why i started jokingly calling them the cads or the cretaceous and stuff right, like that. right okay right right the uh you know the don juans or the something i forget what it was but anyway and so i'm looking at this and i'm like well that's actually interesting that they have four amina and then i started digging more and then i started looking at all the theropods you know, going way back, even the Coelophysis, the Triassic and stuff like that. And you see they all have the same thing. These pressure sensors on their face, mainly the upper jaw up mm. like this and a little bit on the lower. Okay. Right. Nothing lower than that, though, except for Spinosaurus, which, as we know now, Spinosaurus was almost entirely aquatic. It was mm. like a crocodile. It spent most of its time in the water and it ate fish. It was a piscivore. Right. Right. So it's it's got them all over its whole face, basically, which right. it needs them. Because it's looking underwater for fish, and once you go to strike, right. wherever it's got to go. Right. But it's the only one. The rest of them have them mostly here and a little bit here. And then I thought it through, and then I said, why would they have that? They're not eating fish for the most part. There's one mm -hmm. or two species that I think that do. But, I mean, like Tyrannosaurus rex, for example, is not a fish eater. So why does it have that? Mm -hmm. And then, it, I, then I realized what it was. When we look at extant lions and tigers, for example, Okay, they have those big whiskers. Right. Tigers, which are loners, have much larger ones, but they have all these big whiskers. Now you know if you have a cat, those whiskers are very sensitive. That's right. 
walruses use them. They have, they call them vibrissae. They can sense mm. clams and mollusks through the mud, even underwater. Right. Okay. So these whiskers, they function like foramina. They can sense pressure, changes, touch, mm. things of that nature. So when a lion or tiger drinks from the water, its whiskers are touching or even immersed in the water. Mm-hmm. When you see lions drinking, they're usually grouped together and they're all looking like this. Right. Why do they do that? Well, they're, they're sensing. Yeah. Why are they all watching the water and they're sensing at the same mm-hmm. time? Why right. are they doing that? I'm, I'm asking, what do you think? Oh, why? Because something they don't want something to come up and like big croc come and grab exactly. them. <laughs> That's exactly right. It. Yeah. Dilomorphs have been yeah. around since the Triassic. Right. Every theropod dinosaur has to drink water. Right. All animals do. You drink water right. or you die. Right. Okay. So the problem now is when you go to drink water, you have to stick your face in the water. And actually, since they probably drank like the cassowary and things like that, that means they take a gulp of it, they have to raise their head and it flows down their throat. Right. Okay? So if you watch like these big birds, they wade up like, you know, to like, I don't know, where their calves are, let's say. So they're going Mm. into the water a little bit already. And then they lower their body on an angle like this and they scoop up water. So Tyrannosaurus rex, for example, or Gorgosaurus or any of these guys, Allosaurus, would have to do the same thing, which means they have to now take the chance of putting their face in the water and worrying about getting grabbed by an enormous prehistoric crocodile, Mm. Sarcosuchus, Dinosuchus, whatever it might be. Okay. Even if you're the king of dinosaurs, you get grabbed by a croc as big as you, pulled off balance, off your feet in the water, mm-hmm. your dinner. And crocodiles often travel in groups. Right. You see them, they'll tear something to pieces, all of them, death rolls. Right. You get into a frenzy. Yeah. So, and I found it very interesting that a lot of T-Rex fossils, which are incomplete, are found in what was once riverine environments. Right. See? So the question is, was were they getting taken by crocs? carcass partially ripped apart, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Okay. But all these theropods have the same facial features. You don't find right. it in herbivores, like triceratops. Right. Like a, These guys function by numbers. So mm-hmm. if one of them gets pulled in by a croc, like wildebeest, they don't care. They got a thousand more. See, right. predators are much fewer in number. So they have right. to be able to drink and not get killed. Hence, they develop this system. Because why would they have four amino that are good in the water, they have to put mm. their face in the water in order for it to sense. If they're not eating fish, that means they want to know something's coming at them so they can pull back and not become lunch themselves. See? Right. So my point right. of this is I told all this to a well-known UK paleontologist, okay? And he said, uh, he asked me if I was, how did he put it? Um, doing a wind-up. Okay. And what is I, a wind up exactly? I, I, I had to eat, ask another UK paleontologist I know. He's like, oh, that's a term means like, you know, you're pulling my leg. Are you joking? Oh, I see. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, no, I'm yeah. dead serious. Right. And all the evidence backs it up. But because right. it's me, the avocational paleontologist who does these things in their spare right. time, <laughs> yeah. you know, they don't really serious. Play, you know, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah, but I mean, yeah. you know, that's the nature of the beast. And this same guy, For example, I was talking to him about plesiosaur locomotion and explaining that the idea that plesiosaurs would use their, you know, some people believe that plesiosaurs of those four flippers would use their rear flippers just to steer. And I thought that was preposterous. I mean, let's be realistic. If you have four flippers and they're all powerful, huge muscles designed for strength and endurance, you're not going to send two of the back to to direct traffic. 
mm-hmm. you know, for steering. Um, right. If you look at a battleship or any ocean liner, the rudders are tiny to control the distance. And when you watch, so I was explaining when sea turtles swim, those rear flippers are used more like rudders, right. you know, and right. I, I showed him footage of a leatherback and he goes, yeah, but the rear flippers are just as big. I said, no, it's the angle. Look when he turns sideways and then you see the front flippers are three times the size, right. you know, then I had to show him footage of sea turtles where they were diving and they took their rear flippers and put them flat like diving planes mm-hmm. while the main, the propulsion comes right. from the planes. And then he had to finally say, okay, I see what you're saying, you know, but the same person when talking about sea snakes, for example, was criticizing one of my novels where I had my marine reptiles were getting some of the oxygen that they absorb through their skin, right. like sea snakes do. Like sea right. snakes get either 20 or 30% of their oxygen through their skin. Okay? Right. And I, because he was saying, oh, you marine reptiles couldn't absorb oxygen through their skin. I said, well, we don't know that. I mean, anything's possible. Sea snakes get 20 or 30% of their oxygen per the marine biologists to study them. And he said, I'm going to try and quote this. He said, well, that's what they say, but I don't believe it. That doesn't make it not so. <laughs> I'm like, pers- wait a minute. Personal so the professionals that do this for a living, scientists with doctorates, yes. are right. studying sea snakes and have determined through their testing methods that sea snakes absorb oxygen through their skin. But you, the paleontologist who's never even seen a sea snake, most likely, you don't believe it. Right. Well, then that's very reassuring. I feel so much better about telling you my theory. Yeah. Now, it, you know? it is. It's really tough, you know, because it makes it difficult for. And again, you know, I think just academia in general. You know, it's like you have your good old boys club, and, and you come in from the outside, and you can have, you have fresh ideas and and fresh, you know, perception is perception. But just because you don't agree with it doesn't mean it's not so. And now with all the discoveries that are happening, like I'll, again, I'll, I'll just use archaeology because. There's so much, you know, with LIDAR, everything coming out. They're finding so many other locations and they're getting underwater. Our underwater archaeology has become huge. Like they're finding all kinds of stuff under, you know, under the waves. So why not? Why, mm-hmm. why you know, like, why so, not with, with different beings? So creatures? Chris is absolutely right. He said here, a falcon will pull its wings and feathers close for a dive, etc. Yeah. And that's the same type of thing that we're talking about. You know, in right. sea turtles, they get the majority of the propulsion, almost all of it from those big front flippers with their extended right. range of motion, etc. And yeah. the rear flippers are used for nest excavation for the females, but also as rudders for either species. Mm-hmm. When they're doing a straight, like accelerating a straight line, they tuck those in, those right. rear flippers. Because otherwise, it's just throwing things out of whack and, you know, reducing excuse me, streamlining and that type of stuff, see? So you have to take these things into account. But yeah, I mean, that whole, you know, oh, he's not one of us stuff and all, that's just like not wanting to give credit where it's due and slowing the absorption of knowledge and and new ideas. Many people out there that, you know, come up with stuff that sometimes when you're too close to the problem, Mm -hmm. you can't see it. You know, the whole forest for the trees thing, et cetera. Sure, sure. So it's like if you spend all your time with dusty bones mm-hmm. lurking like smog on his treasure with all your fossils right. and stuff like that. You got to get out in the real world. But they're still finding, you know, new bones, for example. Yes. You know, so you find something, you're going to say, no, it's not a thing. Like you have to have a degree of open mind, even though you are, you know, you're, 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 you're scientifically looking mm-hmm. at this stuff. It's like I, I watched a documentary, for example, yesterday. It was just on on mummies that they found in Peru. You know, one of my other shows, Joe and I 
talked extensively about it. And it's, it's a Netflix documentary right now. But what I found interesting was the people who found it were not the mainstream <coughs> government Mm-hmm. archaeologists they were still archaeologists they were still explorers they found these things they would do they did everything appropriately they turned all of this in and they're very obscure they're just you know some people like oh they look like you know hybrid reptilians grays you know and then you have you have you know the logical you know uh, archaeologists say well we don't know that a it wasn't an emulation where they created like this to emulate something of the ancient people, you know, like, like there's a lot to factor in with any discovery, I guess is where I'm trying to go with it. But sometimes governments, you know, just will not acknowledge it because it's so dang different. Oh my God. Oh my gosh. Speaking of, uh, Paleontology. So this, <laughs> what the this, heck? I, this this Virginia ham with hair just grabbed my my <laughs> leg because he wants attention oh, and everything. No. It's like a sheep with fangs. This is what I got to deal with, people. Okay. Enough. This is Olaf. Say hi, Olaf. Olaf is upset because he just got scolded. Stop it. Ugh. That's just funny. I was gonna, yeah, speaking of paleontology, look at the size of this guy. <laughs> so it's it's actually my daughter's cat see that it's not that big oh Ow. it's not that big it just looks like it's its own its own breed or something it's yes. beautiful though yes. beautiful that really hurt buddy we're gonna have a conversation later he, he sang his, his airtime claws into my freaking thigh because he wasn't oh getting played with and stuff he probably has a mouse he has like these toy stuff mice he brings me and <laughs> i throw them lap. you know yeah and i throw them we play fetch you know right he's like i'm ready to play let's go i don't care what you're doing you know I we have a lot of guests now. bring on their pets because pets are just like right in there so but it wasn't intentional i just no. had to get it off my leg <laughs> that's why i went like ow ow like that <laughs> <laughs> Olaf is my new best friend. I love him. <laughs> I know. Yeah, him. you love him until like you know he decides to sharpen his freaking. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I the other day I literally called him. I was like, "Come here, you Virginia ham with hair." And my <laughs> wife was like, "Why'd you call him that?" I said, "What?" She said, "A Virginia ham." I said, "Because that's what he looks like—a big giant Virginia ham with hair." Right. You know? <laughs> Big but, uh, They um, actually normally sleep on my desk when I write my books and stuff, you know. Right. But uh, this one, you better behave or I'm throwing you out. Um, <laughs> but anyway, oh, that really hurt. Most <laughs> <laughs> uh, cat ever, yes. <laughs> Let me tell you, he's, I mean, he's big now, okay? We have two of them. The older cat, who's only like four, four and a half, um, is Mace. He's gorgeous. I mean, like pink nose, gorgeous blue eyes, but he's not in here at the moment. Right. And when we got Olaf, you know, Mace needed a companion. Olaf was this tiny little thing. And at first he was terrified of Mace and like, you know, puffing himself out, up, like out of his hair out and standing on his toes right. and hissing, trying to look scary. And Mace was like a perfect parent. He squatted down like the Sphinx. He put his head down. He made himself as small as possible Aww. to be unintimidating. Okay. Right. In a couple of days, they were thick as thieves. So then Mace became the dad. So at one point, like Olaf started stalking Mace and they would play wrestle. Mace would have to exercise, you know, control because of the size right. difference. He was five times the weight. So right. at one point, I'm walking through the great room and I see Mace standing there like this, you know, chest up like that, like kind of sitting there. And I see Olaf stalking him and he comes up and he runs and he jumps at Mace like this, like, 
And I literally, I, it's in slow motion, he was like flying at this. And then Maceo stood there and he hit him in the chest like Superman taking a bullet. Well, like, poof, and he bounced right off and fell on the ground. And Mace looked down and he's like, really? Is that it? You know, like that. It That's was the best like, you got, cat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, right. you know, they're, they're awesome. I, I right. love them. You know, oh, the great yeah. companions and all that. And the purring is like the best, like, right. white noise you could get. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Animals rock. If you don't like animals, there's something wrong with you. That's Just true. saying. Yeah. But, you know. But um, well, going back. Um, yes, before I get eaten over here sitting here. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think how much, how much do governments um, hinder scientists, archaeologists, paleontologists, you know, on a need-to-know well, basis, we don't all need to know. I think the paleontology part isn't as big of a factor. I think big. a lot of times, like, I mean, you'll see, like, every time there's a discovery, it's always the biggest predator of all time. Have you always. noticed that? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and all that. Right. And that's the Godzillization, as they call it. It's usually and on I, somebody's I, farm. <laughs> yeah. I, I've been told they do that to get the maximum funding. Right. For, the, for the dig and then later a year or two later the truth comes out oh it's really only this big and this type right. of stuff that's what you know i've been told but right. i mean a lot of times amateur people do a lot of the work and they don't get credit you know i mean that 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 happens also so um mm. I, don't, well, I, I, I have i have friends who own one of the largest um and, and, and probably most amazing uh knights templar hordes the world's ever seen the most amazing what knights templar hordes that the world has ever seen oh. and because they were not archaeologists mm -hmm. people just looked at them and go, hmm. but it's the most unbelievable it's got like it's, it's probably got you know 150 200 pieces in it wow. hidden from the world and acquired over a course of 10 years one of the most unbelievable discoveries ever and you've got academia saying mm, no what really? is wrong with you people? <laughs> so I understand what you're saying. You know, it's the layman, mm -hmm. you know, who come in and, and, and find these incredible finds and you do everything right. Mm -hmm. And it's like there's no acknowledgement. Or, very or, or do they even try and take credit for your discovery? Well, that, that's a big that, one. Right that there. happens too. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, a big one. That's you know, a big, especially if it's, it's, if it's a species that's never been seen before. Because then you get to name it after the guy who found it, right? <laughs> I, I love inventing species for my books, like the Cronus Rising. Right. I actually, now you've all, yeah, everybody watching the show has seen Jurassic World or Jurassic Park. You've seen sure. the yeah. in there. Right, right. right. So me, when I uh, had this island with a caldera lake in it where my sea monsters were hiding for 66 million years and stuff like that there's also some jungle in there too right. and so for the story because eventually there was an adventure that took place in diablo caldera right i had raptors but they only had a little bit of land so i had it so they evolved so they could run on water right like literally like a basilisk lizard so right. imagine raptors like you see in jurassic park or jurassic world that can run on the surface of the water at 50 miles mm. an hour right especially adapted feet scales to let them do that, that would be frightening because you have yeah, like absolutely no way to get away yeah. from them <laughs> you get in the pool, you think you're safe and oh god here they come and then boom 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 see i know so i actually so i was able to come up with scientific names for them you right. know, I, I i name like when i invent creatures for my novels like my pliosaurs are called chronosaurus imperator now chronosaurus is a known species but imperator is not 
I'm sorry, it's a known genus, but uh, right. you know, imperator is not a known species. So right. basically means like a ruler of the god of time reptiles, which is a really mm -hmm. cool name if you think about right. it. See? And so right. like my uh, raptors were called like basically like messiah lizards or something like that because they get right. water, like Jesus walking on water, that type of stuff. Right, so, right. Which, so. which brings me to my next question. Yes. There's these, you know, um, security camera videos coming up. We're getting away from the marine thing. There's like freaking like little dinosaur things just running around. Like one one of them was caught on on a security camera running mm -hmm. across the driveway. I I haven't seen it, so I'd love to see what you're talking about. Oh, it's but... on YouTube. Uh, people started sending it to me. I was like, oh. well. I, have no I, I, I gotta look. I want to see this. I mean, there are yeah, some look, look large it up. birds. Look up like raptor or dinosaur. It looked very small. It, mm -hmm. it, it runs like a raptor, and it went across, you know, up along um, a, a, a parked car. But it was a security camera that captured this thing. So uh, I'm not so, gonna do it right this second. I, I will look at this later because when no, I for see sure, it, it, it was crazy. Yeah. It, it just—it's like what? A, again, I chalk it up as. You know, maybe military splicing and dicing, putting together their their own, you know, their own species. Uh, Chris says academia is keeping stuff from us. If you don't fit the narrative of the timeline of history, you are silenced. Sad but true. I agree. I agree. It goes back to that. Um, you know, it's on a need to know basis, and apparently, most of the world does not need to know. So, so I don't know. Um, Remember I told you about the giant octopus with Demetrius? Yes. Well, he told me when they got back to shore, the first thing they did was they called it in. Right. And Captain Picard, sir. <laughs> there we go. Beam me a beer. Will you beam <laughs> me a beer to my office? Um, right. But uh, he told me, I don't know. He wasn't sure if they spoke to the Coast Guard or the Harbor Master. But right. they called it in to report this immense octopus. And they mm. had gone to the library and pulled out books to check out tentacles of all different cephalopods to make sure what they saw was an octopus. And it was. Right. Or, you know, the stuff they pulled up. But, uh, right. And the person they spoke to, he goes, oh, yeah, we know all about it. It's been here for a couple of days already. And that like, was Like it. it's no big deal. Yeah. I mean, this is a carnivorous animal big enough to eat a humpback whale. Right. But. Right. It's been no here for days, whatever. Do you think they're just okay. downplaying it, or they're just like, yeah, sure, whatever? <laughs> I don't know, but he said, you know, that's yeah. what the guy said. It'd been here for, like, I think he said three days ago or something like that. Right. Like, it, it's shown up. Yeah, that's, that's insane. Yeah, I mean, you know, you okay. So I mean, that's... You, you did some fishing up in Alaska. Alaska's kind of the northern Florida. It's got, it's got it's triangles, UFOs, it's got Bigfoot, it's got water monsters, it's got like, I don't know. Well, first off, like Alaska is gorgeous country mm -hmm. and I love to visit it. I would not want to live there. Honestly, cool. okay yeah. <laughs> i mean like the the one rental we had like she was like yeah it was a, like a log home she goes you see that top railing on the second floor and she's like yeah like last winter it was like minus 40 for two weeks straight i'm like minus 40 she goes we left when we came back the snow was up to that second railing oh good it was like 18 <laughs> feet of snow or something like that Great. we had yeah. to tunnel through it make wow. a tunnel to get to the front door right okay i'm, I'm like but i mean me, like I'm an idiot. I I got out of the car and started filming a, mo a take a pictures of a moose that was grazing on the side of the road. 
love that. The moose took a look at me. I'm a northern girl. I'm used to seeing moose. When the ears went down like this, I went, uh-oh. And before it started trotting t towards me, I was already hauling, you know what, back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, if these guys lock that door, somebody's going to die. If it's not me, it will. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. so learn my lesson. Do not approach a moose, you know, in the wild. No. no. Okay, but um, but what was your question? Because you were talking about a last <laughs> I uh, said so you've done a lot of fishing up there, and there there is a uh, a big um, folklore yeah, with the indigenous people about there being a big water serpent of some sort. Is this caddy the Cadborosaurus that type of thing? I have no clue. There's so many. I can't I can't keep track of of which country or which which state has which. You I know. don't know. There was one video from like 2009 that I. Hmm. I that you, you know, and the people are saying is this Cadborosaurus, like that. And what it is is it looks to me like some northern uh, bottlenose whales, like several right. of them together and stuff. Mm. It's very telltale because at one point the the males they get this square head, mm. like this melon, like a sperm whale, right? You know, and you see the square head reach the surface, and you see the blowhole, like that. Right. It's definitely a bottlenose whale. Right. Now, does that mean there couldn't be something out there? Uh, I think that there are quite possibly some of those gigantic squid are there. I mean, like ridiculously mm -hmm. large squid, because there was like this one thing I looked at recently. It was like this uh, sonar hit that they had that they thought might have been like a 200 foot plesiosaur mm -hmm. or something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think what they were reading was the body of an immense squid and right. the neck was the tentacles trailing right. behind it. See? So, right. which would make sense. I mean, cold water gigantism is a known thing. Right. And a, an animal like that would have plenty to eat there. I mean, there's all sorts of whales. Just there, yeah, it's 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 a like a smorgasbord. I have photos I'm going to actually send you. Somebody sent me um, copies of, not copies, but links to a couple of different photos. Um, pretty compelling looks like a, a dang water dragon, not even kidding, like the head and, and mm -hmm. like just most craziest thing I've ever seen. Um, I'm going to send you those. I'll have to dig them up though. I don't have them ready. And then when I, for, for the other show that I do um, with Joe Montaldo, it's called the gray zone uncensored. Sorry guys, you can only get it on Roku. Um, I was researching for, you know, different, sea anomalies that sort of thing and we i came across this article from the 1970s of a family who was they were basically they were just you know they were just fishing there's no black and white picture and they captured what looked like a sea monster of sorts mm -hmm. and it was taken on a regular film camera mm -hmm. and the guy just brought it in dropped it into the local newspaper and he goes they didn't want to talk about it. They just, he just went, there you go. And if you publish it, that's I, I, I don't want anything else to do with it. I just don't think it's right to not share it. So this was on an old photogram. Remember, the 70s, right? No, it's I, not I like all it. digitized like it is now. And and they posted this thing. And I kept a, I kept a photo of it. Mm -hmm. And I will dig it up and I will send it to you. Because, sure. um, again, it's in, it's in the archives from the show. But I will I will go pull it. And send it to you because I would be really curious on both of these mm -hmm. instances as to what your opinion is. 
because you're the like paleo guy, logical guy. I want to know what the logical guy has to say about these. The logical guy is just making sure the cat was happy and everything. He's, he's <laughs> chilling out now. I don't. I, I don't need another. I don't mean another, another pair of pants. No. <laughs> pair of pants ruined. But right. um, yeah. I mean, I I do. I hear what you're saying in terms of like people not wanting people mm -hmm. to know stuff because, for example, like uh, you know, like whenever people have tried to get like Bigfoot DNA analyzed, potential right. Bigfoot DNA, yeah, they've yeah. always run into problems. And I saw like uh, David Politis, who's like a you know real a real expert on Bigfoot these days. He's written those four one one missing four one one. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. And uh, he was saying how like uh, they tried like all sorts of places and nobody would do the testing for them. Oh. And then, yeah, like they refused, hmm. you know, or like, uh, so then what happened was they tricked this place, one lab, and they didn't hmm. say what it was. Right. And then he said the owner called them up all excited, like, my God, do you know what you've got here? This and that. He goes, this is amazing and everything. And he said, well, what are we looking at? And he said, well, he said the, they had three samples of Bigfoot DNA. Hmm. Uh, I think he said one they put out pancakes with syrup and they had glued rough sandpaper to the bottom of the, like the plate right. and the syrup and the pancakes. They made them fight for it essentially. No, it was licking the plate. <laughs> it was like, oh, and it, it, so they got okay. DNA. Brilliant. Like, Brilliant. Yeah. Blood tissue samples. Sure. Another was something that got um, in a dumpster, like a woman had called it in that a Bigfoot was like, raiding her dumpster and when it had leaned forward it caught ripped out a bunch of hair follicles that had actually had the tissue the on. yeah and then the right. third one i think was the guy said a sasquatch ripped somebody's downspout off the side of their house and bit it like it must have been very angry and it was <laughs> not happy right okay so they sent in all three of these and they all got the same reading now I, only, I saw this video and I'm, I'm doing this by memory but okay. i think i'm pretty accurate on this and he said that the test showed that all three traced a lineage back 15,000 years ago to a human female for half of the DNA parentage, and the other half was an unknown animal, unknown thing. That is insane, but not unheard of. There's a case of that in Europe. So what that means is the same poor woman was impregnated by something. Now, we know Bigfoot's are very large, very yeah. strong, very muscular, yeah. very whatever, which means that the male must have been much larger in order to pass on those genes right. to this poor woman, who I'm right. sure was not doing this willingly, but anyway, right. Right. Um, that right. was 15,000 years ago. But the point is, is, so the guy tells him all this stuff, and he's like, where did you get this? And he said, uh, it's potential Bigfoot DNA. And then the guy flipped out and refused to give him the results and all this stuff. And he had to sue him, take him to court to get the lab work. Which wow, I mean, that's they, crazy. They actually got the lab work. I mean, the right. results. That, that, like see, that. it goes it, right there. It's just, mm -hmm. no, yeah, it's not. Yeah, tooth and nail. And if they know ahead of time, they won't even talk to you. You know, right. it's like, it's like they, they've been told or whatever, you know, get out. It's not like you're crazy because anybody can test something and say it is right. or it's unknown or whatever. But, but it's, it's like, becoming a little more common now. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, some states it's not even legal, um, you know, to kill them. Uh, that's 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 that. So they're they're definitely being it's being taken a bit more seriously. Um, okay, what do you think about alien bases under the sea? 
Under the sea. Oh, wait, I am not allowed to do that on here. I know, right? I'm going to get, I'm just going to bring out a song, both of us. <laughs> My daughter grew up watching that thing over um, and over and over. I haven't honestly read a lot about it. A few things. It would, I believe those are called USOs. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Underwater but, submersible objects. Yeah. yeah. It would not surprise me if the. I don't want to say the true rulers of this planet, but if there are an advanced extraterrestrials that, you know, are there. I think um, the military as well. Sorry. I think got, you have a blend of both. Mm -hmm. The, um, when I was doing monsters and marine mysteries, one of my favorite interviews I got to do, my two favorites are, let me think about this. Rodney Ross, right. which I'm about to talk about. Mm -hmm. And, Hold on. I can't. And Earl Stoger, Stoziger. Stoziger. Okay. Earl was the one who saw the 38-foot turtle with his friend. Right. And they filmed it. It was super right. eight in 1969. Right. And all that. And I used, I got all the details from him. So much stuff that was missing or whatever. And Rodney Ross told an incredible story. He is the sole survivor of the people from 1976 who were attacked by a, a 60 foot sea creature. And I don't mean 60 feet just long, a massive 60 foot sea creature with like a 15 foot wide set of jaws right. that tried to attack their boats, okay, by um, Sable Island. Right, Sable Island, that's, that's crazy out there. Yes, and he said that, um, and he told me the whole story. And I mean, it's it's all in the book. I'm not gonna remember all the details. Right. About it. I mean, he was a kid then, you know, right. young teenager working on his dad's boat. And right. it was like this, this thing showed up um, I think it was July, right after July 4th, this, the bicentennial. I right. think it was the 5th, the 7th, and the 9th. It launched attacks on fishermen's boats. Wow. And it, it, it kept changing its tactics. It was learning. like a, And the first guy it went after, it chased his boat for like, I don't know, miles. He had to go into the shallows to get away from it. Okay. Right. And when Rodney and they, they laughed, everybody laughed at him, said he was full of it, making right. up stories. Two days later, Rodney and his dad get attacked by the same thing. Okay, that's crazy. And they're, they're out there and they hear this whistling sound. Like he said, it was like wind going through like the rigging on a sailboat. And they saw this thing like a couple of feet like wide and tall sticking right. up out of the water. And it was moving around way behind them. They were anchored up and they were fishing and they were catching all the fish. And this right. thing showed up and the fishing just stopped. All the fish, like it died. No right. fish. Okay. And this thing was moving around and they thought at first it was an ocean sunfish and that it was this big fin they have sticking up. But as it got closer and closer, they realized it was like a fleshy thing with a big eye or two eyes. I think it had on the top of it. Okay. And there's like drawings all the and stuff is all in the book. And this thing was like dry and then turned and the eye turned and it was, it was looking right at him. Right. He's in the back of the boat. He was like, Oh shit. Like that. And then it started coming at him, straight at him. He was by the transom. And he's like, Dad, like that. And the father ran up to start the boat. And then you see the thing coming up and up and up and up. It was like a pyramid. It got bigger and bigger and bigger. Until by the time his dad gunned it, the thing was about to inhale the back of the boat and Rodney at the same time. That's insane. Fangs. He said the mouth could have taken the whole transom inside its jaws. It was that big. Yeah, and they managed to get away from it. Like they had a huge anchor line out, like 600 feet or how knows. So they rushed forward to a dive. He said it nicked the back of the boat actually when it struck. That's, that's crazy. So but. then they were up there and then they, they stayed up there. They were looking around, looking around. They didn't see it. They gradually let themselves drift back. So they were tall right. with the anchor line and they're right. standing. He said for like an hour, he's like, 
uh, uh what was that? Uh, and he's yeah. like, <laughs> I have no idea. And then a few minutes later, they started hearing the sound again. It was approaching, and they said well, they weren't trying their luck a third time. They they pulled up anger. They got were getting out of dodge. They encountered the guy from two days ago that they laughed at, and they were like, "You do you know what we just saw?" And the guy was like, "I'm pretty sure I know what you just saw." He's like, "Wait for me. I'm coming with you." So that's they all crazy. ran for it. And then yeah, two days crazy. later, it attacked another boat. This time, it tried being sneakier. It came right up, and instead of going at it from the back, it tried grabbing him from the back of the thing. And then after that, it disappeared. But the point is, is like, so then this was all in all the papers and stuff. And the guy said a guy in a suit showed up at their house, like some man in black type, we'll call him. Okay. And he had an artist with him and they described the thing and he said, he drew it perfectly. Exactly. And they said, oh, it'll be in the papers, this and that. But it wasn't. What happened was they, they started calling it, the, the, the locals were calling it the South Side Sea Monster. It, the name in the paper got changed to the Cape Sable Serpent or something like that, which is not wow. what they were calling it. And the drawing that looked like this huge, like, cyclops, like, thing coming up, or like a, it sort of looked like a mixture between, like, a monkfish and um and a, a mudskipper or something like that, like, but mutated. He said it looked sickly, like it was, like, warped or mutated or something like that okay and what ended up in the, in the in the paper looked like a green version of like a chinese dragon it looked nothing at all like what they described no idea where that drawing even came from okay and up until my book came out a couple of years ago that's the only supposed drawing of this thing that's been out there okay that's why i've been trying to correct everything for this this sighting and stuff but who right, they took right. this they did this drawing and they didn't you know, they didn't use it. They just walked away and they never heard from him right. again. And that was the end of it. You that's, know, that's insanity. So. That's all I'm going to say. But it's a great way to top off, a, you know, the, the end of the show as well. Um, so because we're really a couple of minutes away. So tell everybody how to find your books, how to find you, promote yourself, um, promote, promote, promote. Oh, uh, promote, promote, promote. OK, let's yeah, see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go crazy. Go to maxhawthorn.com. You can see my name right there. Okay. So just put a WW in front of it. That'll take you to my official site. When you go on the site, there's a free books page, for example. You can get a lot of free excerpts and downloads. Help yourself. All the books are listed on there, descriptions, synopsis, etc. There's even a paleo gallery if you want to, uh, you know, I, I promote artists that do paleo paintings and stuff. So you can check out all their stuff as well. Um, if you want to find me on Facebook, look for the group Monsters of Marine Mysteries. Pretty easy to find. And I'm on Facebook myself. I don't usually accept friend requests because I'm, I suffer from an antisocial personality disorder. Um, that's not really true, but I have my daughter's fix on there. So I'm just like, <laughs> but if you look up Facebook.com and look for Real Max Hawthorne, because there's a lot of impersonators out there. So Real Max right. Hawthorne on Facebook. Get the real deal. Exactly. <laughs> right. You want the real thing. Nothing That's like right. the real thing, yeah. baby. But, you know, sure. you can really follow me, public post. Yeah. All that good right. stuff like that. Right. And I'm right. happy to hear from readers at any time. Okay. Well, wow. I mean, thank you for coming on. It was a lot of fun. And, um, I, you know, I, I sort of have to, you know, maybe 
tweak the description to the logical, <laughs> logical, you know, reasons, reasoning behind some of these sightings, which I, I love because I don't think anybody's ever done it. <laughs> I'll be honest, not on this show. And it, it was really fascinating because I, like I said, I've learned that, holy crap, there's some pretty big natural predators out there that could easily be getting mistaken for oh. a lot of these sightings. Mm -hmm. But I'm still going to send you a couple of photographs. because oh, I, I am dying to see them. And I need I'm, to know what you think. I, I will give you my, I hold nothing back. Okay. I, if I say, think something's real, I will say it. You know, if right. I think something's a tree stump, I'm going to say it, that you know, dang tree stuff. Okay. Well, I want to know <laughs> it's yeah. a floating tree stuff. No, seriously. They're very, they're very interesting photos, especially the one from the seventies because you just can't fudge it, you know, like you can't fudge a negative, but what were they actually seeing? It made headlines back then. It was a really big deal. And this newer one has just been like, like, I think it was last year. So it's very, very recent, and uh, I would be curious, really curious, because the thing looks like like a wyvern almost, like the head of it going, "Yes, they exist." I, Woo! <laughs> I will, I will give it my professional opinion, okay. and okay. I will even send it to a marine biologist I know. If I don't know what it is, okay. he he may too. I want to know because I want to seek it out. I want it. <laughs> Absolutely, you have my word. All right, darling. Thank you. So, thank you. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having All me. Right. You're very welcome. Thank you. Have a great night. Good night, Good night everybody. Good night. Well, we've come to the end of, again, you know, another fantastic segment. Um, God, he was just such as, a, you know, Mark Eddy would say, an insightful researcher. And he's just a lot of fun to listen to. Really, really knowledgeable. So big thank you to Max Hawthorne. Big thank you to everybody in the chat room who has been tuning in and um, partaking in the show. Here we go. Yes, Chris, you're, you're always late. You need to subscribe and it'll tell you when we go live. Just saying. <laughs> It's always nice to see you in chat and have a good weekend. Also Tamara. So big thank you to Folgers coffee. Big thank you to Dr. Snick, the sonic surgeon, um, Justin Snicker. Big thank you to Steve McGinnis. Uh, wherever you're watching, please like subscribe, follow, um, just show us some love. We try really hard to bring you guys the best of the best. And we really appreciate you guys tuning in. So next week, Wednesday night, guys, we welcome back Dan Baldwin and George Sewell. And they're going to be discussing pendulum dousing. They have a book on the topic and they, they really come up with some like amazing stuff. They were been on the show before under another topic and um, they have mentioned this and it sounds fascinating. Uh, Thursday night, we welcome the return of Brian Allen, who's going to be discussing his book, the Book of Secrets. And let me tell you something. I have been delving in this, and it's bloody heck. It's, like, amazing. So tune in and have a good weekend. You all behave, and we'll see you. We'll see you next week. Good night. <laughs>